and Shakespeare. A Midsummer Night's Dream, Act One, by William Shakespeare. Fair Hippolyta, our nuptial hour draws on apace. Four happy days bring in another moon, but, oh, methinks how slow this old moon wanes. She lingers my desires like to a stepdame or a dowager, long withering out a young man's revenue. Four days will quickly steep themselves in night. Four nights will quickly dream away the time. And then the moon... Like to a silver bone new-bent in heaven, shall behold the night of our solemnities. Go, Philistrate, stir up the Athenian youth to merriments. Awake the pert and nimble spirit of mirth. Turn melancholy forth to funerals. The pale companion is not for our pomp. Hippolyta, I wooed thee with my sword, and won thy love doing the injuries. But I will wed thee in another key. With pomp, with triumph, and with reveling. <laughs> Happy be Theseus, our renowned duke. Thanks, good Aegeus. What's the news with thee? Full of vexation come I, with complaint against my child, my daughter Hermia. Stand forth, Demetrius. My noble lord, this man hath my consent to marry her. Stand forth, Lysander. And my gracious duke, this man hath bewitched the bosom of my child. Thou, thou, Lysander, thou hast given her rhymes and interchanged love tokens with my child. Thou hast by moonlight at her window sung with feigning voice verses of feigning love and stolen the impression of her fantasy with bracelets of thy hair, rings, gauds, conceits, knacks, trifles, nosegays, sweetmeats, messengers of strong prevailment in unhardened youth. With cunning hast thou filched my daughter's heart, turned her obedience, which is due to me, to stubborn harshness. And, my gracious duke, be it so, will she not here, before your grace, consent to marry with Demetrius? I beg the ancient privilege of Athens. As she is mine, I may dispose of her, which shall be either to this gentleman or to her death according to our law, immediately provided in that case. Uh, what say you, Hermia? Be advised, fair maid, to you your father should be as a god, one that composed your beauties, yea, and one to whom you are but as a form in wax, by him imprinted and within his power to leave the figure or disfigure it. Demetrius is a worthy gentleman. So is Lysander. Ah, in himself he is. But in this kind, wanting your father's voice, the other must be held the worthier. I would my father looked, but with my eyes. Ah, rather your eyes must with his judgment look. I do entreat your grace to pardon me. I, I know not 
by what power I made bold, nor how it may concern my modesty in such a presence here to plead my thoughts. But I beseech your grace that I may know the worst that may befall me in this case if I refuse to wed Demetrius. Either to die the death or to abjure forever the society of men. Therefore, fair Hermia, question your desires, know of your youth, examine well your blood, whether if you yield not to your father's choice, you can endure the livery of a nun. For I to be in shady cloister, mewed to live a barren sister all your life, chanting faint hymns to the cold, fruitless moon. Thrice blessed they that master sow their blood to undergo such maiden pilgrimage. But earthlier happy is the rose distilled than that which withering on the virgin thorn grows, lives, and dies in single blessedness. So will I grow, so live, so die, my lord, ere I will my virgin patent up unto his lordship, whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty. Take time to pause, and by the next moon, the sealing day betwixt my love and me for everlasting bond of fellowship, Upon that day, either prepare to die for disobedience to your father's will, or else to wed Demetrius as he would, or on Diana's altar to protest for I austerity and single life. Relent, sweet Hermia, and Lysander, yield thy crazed title to my certain right. You have her father's love, Demetrius. Let me have Hermia's. Do you marry him? Scornful Lysander! True, he hath my love, and what is mine my love shall render him. And she is mine, and all my right of her I do estate unto Demetrius. I am, my lord, as well derived as he, as well possessed. My love is more than his. My fortune's every way as fairly ranked, if not with vantage, as Demetrius. And, which is more than all these boasts can be, I am beloved of beauteous Hermia. Why should I not then prosecute my right? Demetrius, I'll avouch it to his head, made love to Nader's daughter, Helena, and won her soul. And she, sweet lady, dotes, devoutly dotes, dotes in idolatry upon this spotted and inconstant man. I must confess that I have heard so much, and with Demetrius thought to have spoke thereof. But being overfull of self-affairs, my mind did lose it. But Demetrius, come, and come, Aegeus, you shall go with me. I have some private schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, look you arm yourself to fit your fancies to your father's will, or else the law of Athens yields you up, which by no means we may extenuate to death, or to a vow of single life. Come, my Hippolyta, what cheer, my love. Demetrius and Aegeus, go along. I must employ you in some business against our nuptial and confer with you of something nearly that concerns yourselves. With duty and desire we follow you. How now, my love? Why is your cheek so pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? Belike for want of rain, which I could well but team them from the tempest of my eyes. Ay me, 
for aught that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale or history. The course of true love never did run smooth, but either it was different in blood... Oh, cross! Too high to be enthralled too low! Or else misgaffed in respect of years. Oh, spite! Too old to be engaged too young! Or else it stood upon the choice of friends. Oh, hell! To choose love by another's eyes? Or if there was a sympathy and choice, war, death, or sickness did lay siege to it, making it momentary as a sound, swift as the shadow, short as any dream, brief as the lightning in the collied night, that in a spleen unfolds both heaven and earth, and ere a man hath power to say, Behold, the jaws of darkness do devour it up. So quick bright things come to confusion. Yes. Yes, Lysander. If true lovers have ever been crossed, it stands as an edict in destiny. <laughs> then let us teach our trial patience, because it is a customary cross, as due to love as thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears, poor fancies follow us. A good persuasion. Therefore hear me, Hermia. I have a widow aunt, a dowager of great revenue, and she hath no child. From Athens is her house remote seven leagues, and she respects me as her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry thee, and to that place the sharp Athenian law cannot pursue us. If thou lovest me then, steal forth thy father's house tomorrow night, and in the wood, a league without the town, mm, where I did meet thee once with Helena to do observance to a morn of May. There will I stay for thee. My good Lysander, I swear to thee, by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with the golden head, by the simplicity of Venus's doves, by that which knitteth souls and prospers loves, and by that fire which burned the Carthage queen when the false Trojan under sail was seen, by all the vows that ever men have broke in number women spoke. In that same place thou hast appointed me. Tomorrow, truly, I will meet with thee. Keep promise, love. Look, here comes Helena. Godspeed for Helena. Wither away. Call you me fair? That fair again unsay! Demetrius loves your fair. Oh, happy fair. Your eyes are lodestars. And your tongue's sweet air more tunable than lark to shepherd's ear when wheat is green, when hawthorn buds appear. Sickness is catching. Oh, your favors so. Yours would I catch, fair Hermia, ere I go. My ear should catch your voice, my eye your eye. My tongue should catch your tongue's sweet melody. Were the world mine, Demetrius being baited, the rest I'd give to be to you translated. Teach me how you look, and with what art you sway the motion of Demetrius' heart. I frown upon him, yet he loves me still. Oh, that your frowns would teach my smiles such skill! I give him curses, yet he gives me love. Oh, that my prayers could such affection move. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hateth me. His folly, Helena, is no fault of mine. None but your beauty. Oh, that fault were mine! Take comfort. He no more shall see my face. 
Lysander and myself will fly this place. <sighs> Before the time I did Lysander see, seemed Athens as a paradise to me. Oh, then, what graces in my love do dwell, that he hath turned a heaven unto a hell. Helen, to you our minds we will unfold. Tomorrow night, when Phoebe doth behold her silver visage in the watery glass, decking with liquid pearl the bladed grass, a time that lover's flights doth still conceal, through Athens' gates we have devised to steal. And in the wood, where often you and I, upon faint primrose beds were wont to lie, emptying our bosoms at the council suite, there my Lysander and myself shall meet, and thence from Athens turn away our eyes to seek new friends and stranger companies. Farewell, sweet playfellow, pray thou for us, and good luck grant thee thy Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sight from lover's food till morrow deep midnight. I will, my Hermia. Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius dote on you. How happy or some other some can be. Through Athens, I am thought as fair as Sheba would of that. Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I, admiring of his qualities, things base and vile, folding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste, wings and no eyes figure on heedy haste. And therefore is love said to be a child, because in choice he is so oft beguiled. As waggish boys in game themselves forswear, so the boy love is perjured everywhere. For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's eye, he hailed down oaths that he was only mine. And when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, so he dissolved, and showers of oaths did melt. I will go tell him. A fair Hermia's flight. Then to the wood will he tomorrow night pursue her. And for this intelligence, if I have thanks, it is a dear expense. But herein mean I to enrich my pain, to have his sight thither and back again. Is all our company here? You were best to call them generally, man by man, according to the script. Here is the scroll of every man's name, which is thought fit to all Athens to play in our interlude before the Duke and Duchess on his wedding day at night. First, good Peter Quince, say what the play treats on, then read the names of the actors, and so grow to a point. Mary, our play is the most lamentable comedy and most cruel death of Pyramus and Thespe. A very good piece of work, I assure you, and a merry. Now, good Peter Quince, call forth your actors by the scroll. Masters, spread yourselves. Answer as I call you, Nick Bottom the Weaver. Ready. Name what part I am for, and proceed. You, Nick Bottom, are set down for Pyramus. What is Pyramus? A lover or a tyrant? A lover. 
that kills himself most gallant for love. That will ask some tears in the true performing of it. If I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will move storms, I will condole in some measure. To the rest, yet my chief humour is for a tyrant. I could play Hercules rarely, or a part tear a cannon to make all split. The raging rocks and shooting shocks shall break the locks of prison gates. And Phil's cars shall shine from far, and make and mar the foolish fates. This was lofty. Now name the rest of the players. This is Hercules' vein, a tyrant's vein. A lover is more condoling. Uh-huh. Francis Flute the Bellas Menda. Here, Peter Quince. Flute, you must take this bit on you. What is this be? A wandering knight? It is the lady that pure of us must love. Nay, faith, let me not play a woman. I have a beard coming. That's our one. You shall play it in a mask, and then you may speak as small as you will. And I may hide my face. Let me play Thisbe too. I'll speak in a monstrous little voice. Thisbe, Thisbe, ah, Pyramus, lover dear, thy Thisbe dear and lady dear. No, no, you must play Pyramus and flute you Thisbe. Well, proceed. <sighs> Robin Starbling, the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Robin Starbling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Tom Snout the Tinker. Hey, Peter Quince. You, Pelmus's father. Myself, Thisbe's father. Snug the Joiner, you the lion's part, and I hope he has a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray, if it be, give it me, for I am slow of study. You may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Let me play the lion too. I will roar that I will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar that I will make the Duke say, Let him roar again, let him roar again. And you should do it too terribly. You would fright the Duchess and the ladies that they would shriek, and that were enough to hang us all. That would hang us, every mother's son. I grant you, friends, if that you should fright the ladies out of their wits, they will have no more discretion but to hangers. But I will aggravate my voice so that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. I will roar you and twer any nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus. For Pyramus is a, a sweet-faced man, a proper man, as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely gentleman-like man. Therefore you must needs play Pyramus. Well, I will undertake it. What beer were I best to play it in? Why, what you will. I will discharge it in either your straw-coloured beard, your orange tawny beard, your purple and grain beard, or your French crown colour beard, your perfect yellow. Some of your French crowns have no hat owl, and then you will play bare-faced. <laughs> but, masters, here are your parts. And I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to calm them by tomorrow night and meet me in the palace wood a mile without the town by moonlight. There will we rehearse, for if we meet in the city, we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. In the meantime, I will draw a bill of properties such as our play wants. I pray you, fail me not. 
We will meet, and there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains, be perfect, adieu. At the Duke's Oak, we meet. Enough. Hold or cut bowstrings. A Midsummer Night's Dream, Act One, by William Shakespeare, starring the voice talents of David Alt as Lysander, Catherine Pride as Helena, Fiona Thrale as Hippolyta, Jerry Crawford as Flute, Philip Weber as Theseus, Perry Whittle as Aegeus. Quint as Starveling, Ara Pelodi as Hermia, Chris Britton as Snug, Daniel Munson as Demetrius, Chris Pyle as Quince, Lee Sands as Snout, and David Alexander McDonough as Bottom. Original music and direction by David Alexander McDonald. Executive producer for Pendant Audio, Jeffrey Bridges. To find out more, check with PendantAudio.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.